0: Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm Em. And this is Fierce for Vagina. Um, We're really excited today to kick off with the first um, of a series of podcasts um, where we kind of just want to talk about all things taboo.
1: Yeah, uh, Hannah and I sort of had this idea. Well, it initially came about because Hannah and I had a coffee um, a few months ago uh, and realized that we're both chronic (laughs) oversharers. Um, But actually Hannah and I (laughs) met when we were at university and uh, we would take breaks in the British Library in between writing our dissertations and talk about misogyny mostly. So we thought what better way five years later to try and um,
0: get things going. Yeah and I think that um, one of the great things about our friendship that I imagine many women have is that um, we've made something positive out of something negative in the sense that... um, our friendship began really because we were both kind of dealing with the same group of boys that were being really misogynist and kind of harassing us and we found solidarity in one another and and from those initially you know frustrated interactions we we now have these opportunities to talk about ourselves as women talk about our lives in a really wonderful way and i really value having em around and it all started in those dark days and now it's all rather glorious, and it, it is <laughs> and it's really exciting to now share it with more people,
1: yeah, it is glorious. It's also I mean, we both all just really like talking about our vaginas um and there is definitely something I think both within us where we think that that part of the joy of talking about our vaginas is that um. I think that it sort of helps encourage a sort of more wider conversation as well with sort of our friends. And sometimes, I mean, both of us have sort of worked with young people as well. So that's also like a big part of it. Um, so, yeah. So we went basically, we both went to a conference about three months ago and we presented um, a session called Views for Vagina, um, which was, you know, a really amazing experience actually. Yeah. I think really
0: empowering.
1: Yeah. And also just like very funny. Like it was a very like almost hilarious thing to sort of, see how many we had quite a few people come which was hilarious because also like why who wants to come and talk about vaginas at like nine fifty on a wednesday but you know if they did and
0: apparently they include my brother father granddad, grandmother, grandmother granddad. Granddad. granddad he was there. my Made entire appearance. family came to hear me talk about how i masturbate
1: yeah um, <laughs> and <laughs> i mean your granddad was very funny because you did warn him the day before when you did say you were going to be talking about masturbation i think his, his phrase was like Oh, I'm not too old for that. <laughs> Just like wandered <laughs> off down the
0: corridor. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, um, one of the things that I really found growing up, um, you know, touching on that, is that um, my family have always been very, very open. Um, And I remember just being so confused at school why people found it weird if they found out their parents were having sex or people found it weird if they saw someone in their family naked. And I I really did not grow up in that environment. I grew up... I'm the daughter of a gynaecologist, the daughter well, of a I think teacher. that makes a difference, right? It probably does make a difference. And I have a memory from when I was about, you know, 13 or 14 of my mum saying, oh, well, I only went on a date with your father because I heard that gynaecologists were really great in bed. Um, and to know that you <laughs> have basically, yeah, that you exist purely because of your mother's, you know, hearing rumours about the abilities of gynaecologists to eat pussy well. You know, it <laughs> I, mean, does I feel like that's you the nice kind of rumor that you,
1: you, know, you, want, you want to encourage, though, right? Like if you're a gynecologist, I feel like maybe, you know, aside from the like more clinical side, maybe you've got like a
0: special yeah. interest in yeah, other but, elements. Of China yeah, as well, well, you know, I'm sure my father is a specialist. We're doing the same amount of I'm sure my father is a specialist <laughs> in many ways. Um, <laughs> I'm um, sure he is.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I think yeah I mean I guess we did have quite similar upbrings in that respect I mean my parents are also well my mum in particular um good feminist icon Bought all our books from uh, the feminist bookshop in Glebe in Sydney when I was growing up and um you know very much had a very sort of liberal and um women positive I think attitude to our bodies and like yeah very naked household all those kinds of things um yeah, very a lot of very funny, funny phrases and sayings that I'm sure we'll get to over the course of this podcast. But um yeah, and I think there's something really um powerful about um I guess us bonding over that and about how coming from these like very open families. Although um I did write an article about our conference session and my father got very stressed about the fact that I talked <laughs> about vaginas all over the internet. But you know, hopefully for- he was also very excited we were doing this podcast. Um but I might, you know, I'm not sure if he'll actually end up listening. listening to I think
0: the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'll be able to keep my family away. Um, <laughs> whether I like that or not. Um, I I also like, um, Em and I realised that it's been a rather tragic week in some ways. Um, because an author which, who we found out you know, resonated with both of us as a child, Babette Cole, unfortunately passed away. Um, and Actually, one of the reasons we decided to um, run the session at this conference, this fears for Vagina session originally, was because we both found out and we sort of found out coincidentally just through conversation that despite the fact that Em grew up in Sydney and I grew up in the north of England. I don't sound it,
1: but I promise I'm not just saying that to sound more interesting. I, I very much did grow up in Australia.
0: Well, darling, maybe one day we'll bring the Aussie back out to you we'll see how (laughs) when I'm drunk and
1: angry it does tend to come out a bit more but at the moment I feel like I'm uh you know
0: uh you know darling you be you (laughs) you be you you. and if one day we have to get you drunk to prove your credentials I'm sure we can manage that just
1: terrified of Theresa May that's all it is I'm just desperately trying to blend in
0: oh dear me don't blend. Blending's boring. Unless you're contouring, then it, it's it's probably more important to blend. Anyway, <laughs> regardless. Um we both read, we both um have very strong memories of learning about sex and about how babies are made. Um because of a book that we both had on opposite sides of the world called Um Mummy Laid an Egg. Mm. Um, or mommy laid an egg in Australia. No, mommy it? laid an egg. Mommy, thank God to for that. The setting the Queen. Come on. Fucking on. hell, I was worrying about that. Anyway, mommy <laughs> laid an egg. Um, and um, it basically goes through a load of ridiculous lies that we feed children about how babies turn up without having sex. Um, and the really, really funny thing is, is there is kind of a um, it's a Kama Sutra page. There's just yeah. There's it's like a, a centerfold page. Yeah. There's a fucking centerfold, and the, <laughs> it's brilliant. And the, it's, not, it's not like a re- it's like a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Us. It's not that porny. <laughs> we weren't given porn as children. Yeah,
1: just to clarify, we weren't
0: given porn. <laughs> they weren't that, that is liberal. a good. They weren't think, that open. I don't. Based think. <laughs> on what we've said so far, it's probably a good clarification. It's, yeah, to it's have not made. a clarification. Um, but it's a centerfold is kind of basically cartoon, load of really random sex position. Um, we found out actually recently that a mutual friend of ours has had that book and her parents have taped that those two pages closed. So she has no idea what we were talking about when we were talking about um this page but what's very funny for me is that my aunt and uncle were pregnant with my cousin at the time that I had this book and they told me they pointed to one of the cartoons and said oh that's us." so for a good eight years I believe that my uncle and aunt um who were both fairly conservative had conceived my cousin whilst having green and yellow mohawks and scissoring on a space hopper <laughs> um Legit for about eight or nine years, I genuinely believe that.
1: But I think what was great about those books because she did heaps of them, right? So she did one about um, uh, she did one called Doctor Dog, which was about a dog who like uh looked after the family that he was the pet of, and they were all had all these like horrible not diseases but ailments, and oh, see yeah. that's how you learned they you had to wash your hands oh, or like God. cut your hair and not get nips and stuff. And so that was Doctor Dog. That was a really good Rebecca Cole one, and she had one that um. My my mother actually presented to me when I graduated, called Princess Marty Pants. Yeah, Princess Marty Pants. Um, and so these are all these sort of books that sort of had this very sort of frank way of talking to children about sort of real life issues and experiences. And yeah, and I guess like when you, I think when you grow up with that kind of stuff, it's hard not to feel that those things are like normal to talk about. I suppose. I think
0: so, and I think that um, I think that's a really important thing to consider about when does TMI. When does too much information become a thing? Because when you are a child, you're encouraged to communicate. You're encouraged to tell people what's going on with you because your adults need to know. Telepathia. But not only that,
1: though. Like when children say sort of stuff that's like um, embarrassing or like embarrassing in a better commas or um, you know TMI, right? Like it's funny. Like it's, it's funny hilarious. for kids to say things, and then kids will say more because they yeah. think they're entertaining you. And I feel like particularly for young girls, like, come, like there comes an age where actually now now it's like, no, it's not appropriate for you to be talking about those kinds of yeah, things. Like I remember, I even sure. remember there's an element of like, there was an age where it stopped being okay for me to, to like go and like walk around like naked,
0: right? Like yeah. that, that happens. Yeah, um, and it's like when girls, you see right? little girls at pools without the bikini tops on and there's nothing now i mean they're six year old you know and and there becomes a point where it's actually now and we need to child cover this child up and you think well why are we covering this little girl up and it's because of the sexualization of the female body well, i
1: remember i remember when i was like nine i went to like like the john lewis of sydney and like bought one of those like I don't know what you call I guess it was like a bra, but it was a bra yeah. for like children. <laughs> Just like bra- prancing like around the house being like, look at me, I've got a bra on. And my, mom being like, yes. and my parents being like, she's got a bra on, right? Okay. <laughs> and I was like really excited about this. But- and then we had to have this conversation around like,
0: what, we I mean I didn't really need it do. I
1: mean it was just like deeply uncomfortable I think I wore it for about 10 minutes and then realised that <laughs> it was horrible yeah bras aren't really the they're way they're not go fun if you can avoid it and
0: they're fucking expensive they're Jesus Christ really but I
1: think they're more expensive
0: they're more expensive if you have if you, bigger boobs if you've got bigger boobs and you know you Which can't see them but I can deeply unfair yeah, I can you know that's for both of us. Unfortunately, we have the predicament. I'm sure um, there's
1: some sort of like capitalist patriarchal argument around that as well that like we could explore in a, in a later Yeah, I'm sure episode. we will
0: explore it. I think we'll find a way of exploring many, many little niche things.
1: But anyway, the point there's, of me is me, nine years old, prancing around the house. Prancing and, like, <laughs> and, you know, and like that, that sort of being conscious that that was like a point where I was... Yeah. Of, that was part of growing up. But also yeah. that, you know, we were also supposed to be sort of thinking about how we present ourselves for the first yeah. time and I think that that I don't know why that memory sticks in my head but it is something that I I do think about it quite often I right. don't think my parents would remember it at all actually.
0: no well I I remember feeling incredibly competitive about it so I went to an all-girls school and I remember when everyone started sort of going through puberty and started growing boobs or whatever and I remember feeling really pissed off because I went to my first bar fitting and the lady said, oh, you know, the measure of the woman to do the bra fit, and said, oh, you don't really need one yet. And I remember being fuming, being like, well, so-and-so's got one, and I'm way bigger than her. <laughs> and, and just, like, feeling deeply aggrieved that I couldn't be recognised as having bigger breasts than another, you know, 11-year-old girl. And it's really bizarre. And what's very weird for me is that like, I couldn't remember what my bra sizes were at sort of many seminal points in my life, I remember that my bat mitzvah or my bachel, I had a 32C. I remember that because I had to buy a strapless bra to go with my nice top, and and I remember, you know, saying to people, "Yes, at my bat mitzvah, I was a 32C." And, you know, I don't know where that came from. Wait, you and said it, that on the day.
1: No, no not I'll on the like day, but speech. I remember, like,
0: I don't know when I it came. Them. I, everyone. I, <laughs> I don't know how it's come up, but I have memories of saying to people, like, yes, well, at my it's for I was a 32C. And I think there is, for me, there was, I guess, I never really thought about this before, but there's always been something a bit competitive with it. And I don't know whether it, you know, I had a lot of kind of weight issues when I was a teenager. Maybe I thought that if I could, you know, amp up my tits, you know, they'd be so majestic that no one would notice anything else. And so it was kind of a crutch for me. And I was just kind of think you know no it's, no it's really it's
1: just really interesting because i just remember um well i i was just like a really like runty looking child like i looked like one of the um claymation characters of Wallace and Gromit <laughs> like i had really big features but like quite a small frame um which i think was hopefully changed now but um <laughs> I, I i i like developed breasts over like the course of a summer so like it, australian summer so december i was like you sound like an
0: american teen sitcom yeah yeah where like someone (laughs) literally no for sure and then we went
1: to like we went on holiday somewhere and i put on my bikini and i literally couldn't like physically get my bikini over my chest and i went to the bra fitting um in david jones and i i just remember i used to think that like so when you got your first bra, you were an A. And then when you got your second bra, you, you were a B. And then you became a C and then you were a D. <laughs> and, I, and that's how I thought it worked. And so when I went in and they were like, oh, so you're like a, you're a 30 D. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, but I was like 14. And I still had the runty look. So yeah. I just had these like giant knockers, but I was tiny. I mean, I looked ridiculous. It was terrible. I was like, was, oh. I actually was very embarrassed about it, but I went to an all girls school. And we
0: both went to all girls school. we did i'm sure that's Boy, another... i wonder what that says
1: <laughs> probably a lot, of things. <laughs> probably a lot <laughs> of things
0: probably a lot of things you know it's a funny thing about girls schools there's so much talk about you know because we are both very confident women and i think there is something that you know i think being in a girls school does instill you with a sense of i can speak when i got to university people thought i was hilarious because I always spoke my mind in class and people were like oh Hannah she's you know she's she's so lol because she says shit and I'm like what but isn't, <laughs> that, isn't
1: that just like a like a sexist thing though right because all the yeah. women speak all the time just no like, no walk. but the
0: thing is a lot of the other girls didn't so yeah, I did course, history yeah, yeah and, and a, lot a lot of a lot, the other so girls I. just didn't speak especially maybe by second and third year a bit different but in first year I was seen as this really kind of ballsy kind of spoke loads my hand was always up I always had something to say I mean I am like that in general but in comparison to the other women in the room at the time that I remember people used to think I was obscenely confident which was amusing to me because I was confident in some ways, very insecure in other ways but I was seen as this woman that was so ballsy and loud and thought I was so clever and people you know like I am I guess i got a funny way of saying things now and again. And people thought I was just this funny woman, right? Yeah. And And it was an interesting situation because I had never, university was the first time it had ever occurred to me that how vocal I was wasn't the norm. Because I didn't grow up surrounded by it. There were never men to distract me or men to be self-conscious about or men to think of through the majority of my education. Um, yeah,
1: but I don't. I don't. I see. So I don't attribute mine to being in a girls' school, really. Like, I think that. I mean, I don't really attribute much to being at school. I think a lot of my like self growth happened after school. But I think that I was also just a massive swat, so I was always talking. Cause I was, you know, and wanted
0: to get the best grades. Right, I, like I think I'm that, like, an attention seeker. No, let's yes.
1: be honest. <laughs> I'm just an
0: attention seeker.
1: No, no, I don't think so. Because, like, also, you know, why? Why are you an attention seeker? And like you know i mean it's such an obvious point, i like really really we talk, like
0: it when you, people pay attention to me really like that's it. why i
1: mean that's why i mean maybe we both are maybe this entire endeavor of just being like does everyone want to talk about our vaginas or listen to us talk about our vaginas is just like please please pay, us please pay attention please pay attention to, to, pay attention to, to <laughs> us <laughs> we'll say the word clitoris like over and over and over again yes um but i think there was an interesting thing that i found when i was a bit younger is that i just um I think a bit growing up in Australia, you you were a bit more blunt and honest, and like yeah. make like a much more um, yeah, open I guess about sex to an extent. And I think that right. what I found when I went to uni because I was in like a very Stable and supportive relationships. I talk about sex all the time, and I had all these like friends who, I guess, like very British friends yes. is how I describe them now, um, who I think found that a little bit alarming. So I toned yeah. myself down quite a lot. And then when I w- when I go home in the summer and visit my friends, I'd be a bit like shocked by how like brazen and open everyone was. Yeah. So I think there's something around that where like I got quite used to sort of being a bit, I guess, not outrageous is the wrong word, but like open. Um, which I liked and it was nice to sort yeah. of talk to my friends and things like that. And I, I think that that sort of definitely pushed me in like the professional directions I've gone. And I think it's really important that women can have open and honest conversations about their sex lives yeah. and their bodies that, that they don't feel embarrassed. Because I think there's definitely sort of an element of, that does start in high school where girls start, yeah, start to feel embarrassed shame. about their, their bodies and their um when they have sexual experiences and when they enjoy those sexual experiences in particular, it's like a really um interesting uh issue i think in our society that we sort of punish people for like enjoying themselves
0: i agree with you and i think i think that um for me you know what we're doing is important in the sense that we are we are kind of saying fuck it we're going to say what we want to say and you know we certainly both had enough flack over our time for saying things that people don't think we should be saying writing articles people don't think we should be writing and i think that there comes (laughs) yeah
1: there's one guy who keeps writing a limerick about my vagina um on posts i write about like completely separate things which is quite funny um but yeah, no, sorry. I, I yeah, no, there. it's strange. <laughs> and actually,
0: a friend of mine was at a dinner party last night and somebody brought up the article and they were bitching about the fact that, that the pair of us spoke about our vaginas at this conference. And my friend was like, you know, she shut really? me down. And yeah, and they were saying like, these boys were really fucking jealous. And they couldn't, they were so bitter. And they pretend, you know, they made out as if they were so disgusted by us for sharing these things and saying these things. And, you know, and I just, I sometimes... It's so funny because what's really interesting is that we didn't even really say anything that outrageous. We didn't. Like, we, even like that, we said we the didn't... word vagina. Yeah. We said the word the vagina. Word... <laughs> and and um, and it's been... It's. I've really been fascinated by the reaction we've had. On the one hand, the majority of the responses we've had were so positive. I had people coming up to me in synagogue to tell me about an interesting fact they found out about the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not every day you start to talk to your cantor and you find out, Where, you know, we're that Jews, she's had a.
1: Picks up on that. Yeah, but. we're
0: Jew. We're very Jewish. We're very Jewish, and you know, obviously, we, you know it's it's really funny to be in a religious space and all of a sudden, you know, you're a vagina woman and people come and talk to you about their vaginas and it's wonderful. But the other reaction has been, you know, people ridiculing because they don't know how to deal with it. And maybe, you know, there's other things going on and it's but become I mean, a I channel. Don't even, I
1: don't even think the ridicule... I mean, I th- obviously the ridicule is a certain age, but I think it's also just... Um, I think there's an element where... I think maybe for some men in particular, but not only, like, because I think predominantly for men, their only interactions with vaginas, unless they're obviously, like, doctors, or even, like, to some extent, like, long-term partners of people. Yeah. uh, Fathers of people, whatever. Like, they're, like... Experience of vaginas is like very much like in a sexual context, and that's the yeah. only context they know it in. And in some capacity, there's like an element. I th- I pers- I personally think it comes from like feeling a bit inadequate around vaginas, yeah, and, not, and like being self conscious about their own sort of sexual capacities. I think that's honestly where it stems from. And the be- the easiest way to like try and challenge that for themselves is to put the other person down. Yeah, and that's sure. definitely been my experience. For and we'll sure. get on to that in later episodes. But um, and I think and I think they find it. Therefore, it's it. They try and ridicule it, but also sort of take the piss out of it a little bit because that... The idea of women not feeling finding it embarrassing is a bit difficult for them to understand and compute. So, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely something that I've noticed.
0: It's a lot easier for people to push it aside and say, well, you know, these girls are these ridiculous lefties with stupid ideas about everything than it is to actually engage with what is the content we're saying about. It's a lot easier to shove us to a side like that than it is to actually say, well, actually... You know, what are the preconceptions that we're bringing with us? And, you know, why is it relevant to bring up what we do elsewhere in our professional lives into this content? And, you know, and a bit that I love was when someone commented saying, you know, we should do a combination of, like, Israel-Palestine and... the V for Vagina, and I thought, well, wanking the West Bank sounds like a great <laughs> podcast to me. Yeah.
1: You know, so
0: yeah. it's funny. It's funny. I mean, we could
1: still do that. I we mean, could. It, really. You know,
0: there's a. You know, there's a. There's some interesting stuff around occupation and sexual resistance, and I guess that. Yeah. The, maybe we're getting a bit deep and a bit academic a bit here, but you know, we are. You know, we. <laughs> We don't want to leave, I mean, we, we don't want to leave, you know, I mean, know, we're
1: about to just start talking about, like, you know, wanking and orgasms, so maybe we should... I oh, fucking uh, love
0: talking about uh, wanking. wanking We'll get orgasm. there. It's literally my favourite topic of conversation. Great, right,
1: yeah. Um, but I think, I was also, in saying that, I mean, just in terms of, I one of my uh, lovely uh, friends of mine, um, when I was telling him I was doing this session, um, and he was like, and I said, oh, I'm doing this session about vaginas at this conference I'm going to, and he's like, oh boy should men should go to that too it's really important that like men go and do those things and i was like oh bless you, <laughs> <That's very sort laughs> oh, you. Bless. um so you know you get a bit of a mixed reaction i think i don't know i think that it's really um good for women to sort of and people who have vagi- and vagina owners because obviously like the other thing that is important to think about i guess Hannah, is that you know nothing we're saying is like new that there have been people who've been talking about this kind of stuff for years and like sure you know as um it would it would
0: be a little bit mansplaining yeah if we genuinely thought that we were the first people to talk about it
1: yeah basically um that would be ironic yeah that would be (laughs) um and also you know um i guess as you know white cisgendered women and myself is like predominantly heterosexual like you know we can only bring t- an extent to this conversation but we think and yeah. we hope that you know over the course of what is you know hopefully many conversations we can sort of ha- um contribute something to it um c- and to this discourse and to this dialogue and um
0: i hope so and um and and i'm excited to bring people with us on yeah, this journey yeah
1: absolutely i also have i also just I seem to find myself in these very um ridiculous situations and I feel that actually (laughs) Hannah's quite a good person to um work through those situations with and therefore um we might as well just record it because you know yeah it's not
0: not just because we're massively conceited (laughs) although that may be the reaction we get we never quite well if you think we're conceited you can just not listen to the rest yeah you don't don't need to tweet at us or anything although you can we will get to
1: our tweeting in a minute um yeah, so it's very exciting. I think we just wanted to, I guess, yeah, say just welcome, start and off. say hi, welcome. Yeah, well, shalom,
0: shalom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Shabbat. It's a Saturday. It is, don't tell them that we can't you Oh no, not all of us <laughs> not all abide of us. by not, the laws of not the uh, two thousand year old religion. No,
1: no, not all of us. um Yeah. No, sorry, I'm I i we are in Hannah's room actually. actually we're Hannah's, in bed. We're in bed. <laughs> it's absolutely freezing. Well well,
0: yes. yes. I don't like paying for the bills. And also my radiator's a bit shiny. Yeah, I like the fact that we're just sitting in bed recording this. Um Well, it's it's
1: the best way to spend the yes. mid January Saturday. You afternoon, make it I sound reckon. like
0: we're really, really don't have a life we do but have the best lives. thing we have to do this is what happens is when to I go sit in my r- bed and <laughs> no, talk this- about our vagina so i have a sister
1: and every time i go and see my sister i feel like i always have to be like you know, I do have fun. Like I, I do go out because she's. Um, she doesn't
0: believe you. No, and this she, is why she doesn't believe you. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because she's very fun. Um She's the fun twin, as I as oh, I like to say. Oh, bless you. Um, no, it's fine. I have my own fun, but uh,
0: that, that makes <laughs> you sound so like you're not being very convincing, babe. No. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> oh well um so Ed dyes her hair a lot i do dye my
1: hair a you lot. dye the
0: hair on your head i do and i dye my armpits you blue do dye armpits often blue. often unsuccessfully
1: yeah but, but it's just because i think you need to put a heavier bleach on the hair i mean it does yeah. go out that is normal It will Yeah. Just keep it going. does i
0: always keep forgetting it grows. it grows it's annoying because you think you're done and you're not fucking done like two weeks later yeah Oi. It's like salt and peppers back. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> and at the minute, I've got a cool kind of sea foam look going on sea foam from look. like the yeah, blue that has kind of faded. Well, into Well, it, it does
1: go grey on your head if you put the blue in. That's it like goes grey. Yeah, so you can't. So if you want to, if you want to dye, this is not particularly relevant to vaginas. But if you do want to dye your hair. Um, with the greens or the blues, um, it doesn't wash out in the same ways if it's like the light pinks, the light oranges, so it just goes grey yeah. and then you have to chop it out, which is why i am Well, done you
0: know, they say grey hair is elegant, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they say it's elegant and I don't know that my seafoam is that elegant, but I think I can carry it off. Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure yes, you can. I, you I have know, no doubt, Han. I can carry a lot of things off that you wouldn't expect me to be able no. to and whether I'm carrying it off because I have... A good grasp on society is another question. But, what? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe my understanding of whether I'm carrying it off is slightly different to what other people perceive. But quite frankly, it's not really that relevant, is it? It's my fucking body. Oh, they do
1: look good, yeah. I mean, you can do what you want, mate. I mean, if
0: anything. You know, I mean, you can't all see it, but now I am getting it out. She is, she's it's, getting out. it out. I'm getting it out. It is a bit, it is it, a bit it of a seafoam look. It looks a bit of for my well. look. I, yeah. I've got this <laughs> weird American deodorant that I bought by accident because I was trying on lipstick. And then what I... No, 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 in boots. I was trying on lipstick in boots. And I wear these very bright lipsticks and I'm a bit clumsy. And I have the lipstick, you know, you put it on your hand because it's fucking unhygiene. I'm not putting that shit on my mouth. <laughs> so, you know, I've got all the testers on my hand and I go and look at the box and I pick a box up just to read it and I put the box down and I've made all of the boxes really... Pink from the lipsticks and I was like, shit, I'm gonna have to buy this now. What? Because I i got a lot of lipstick on the boxes. It was unsellable and, and I felt very bad about that. And I thought, oi, what's the manager gonna do? Like, how are they gonna sell these? It wasn't really fair on boots. I thought, well, I'll buy one. I'll make up it with one. And I bought this one deodorant and I broke it immediately. You're meant to have a thing that you can turn. I broke the turny thing. So now to get the deodorant out, I have to get a hairbrush. stick <laughs> A hairbrush essentially up the arse of the deodorant to push it through, right? And then I have this like oh I understand white now. waxy yeah. stuff, <laughs> and I have to put this white waxy stuff on my arms. But because I get a bit overzealous, zealous. So sticking... you bought, it's
1: a roll, it's a roll-on, it's a
0: roll-on. No, I like roll-on. No, because it's like. It, no but it's like a paste it's like a paste yeah yeah, yeah. we've all used that but because it's I'm not, not, that's, very not american. Delicate, I think that's just just a time no, no 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 i think the brand's american i'm telling myself this because i want to feel better about being english um and i you know i i, I get a little bit violent sometimes <laughs> in the morning and then a lot of it comes out it's everywhere and i have to like find places to put the deodorant On my body so that I don't waste it. And it's a bit... Uh, It must be time. It's quite traumatic at seven in the morning, yeah.
1: Okay, well...
0: um, Don't buy this stuff. No, don't buy this stuff. Don't buy this. They actually have a clear gel version. I would recommend that. And that was the one I wanted. Right, got you. That's very good, actually. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, if you're you're
1: still listening, um, we have a Twitter. Uh, Our Twitter is... V for vagina. Um, so tweet. It's for vagina? No, F-O-R. F-O-R. Well, v
0: for thank vagina. God for that. I would have felt At very for upset. Vagina.
1: Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, yes. So do tweet us, tweet uh, We'll be tweeting from there if you want to find out uh, when we'll be releasing our different episodes um and also just general vagina facts which we will get to each week um and then we also have an email address which is a v's for vagina podcast at gmail.com if you want to write to us i can't imagine anyone will but if you i do, can't
0: imagine why anyone wouldn't want to write to us <laughs> we're bloody lovely aren't we? we we do
1: like to get mail um and we yeah, write
0: we, we never get enough posts these days because no, you true. know well, no one sends anything today. i know well maybe one they're day they
1: we'll, sending us anything no
0: But I don't know. It makes me feel loved.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. If you do email us, uh or if you have anything particularly interesting about vaginas you would like us to share on the podcast. Or
0: topics you would like. Or topics
1: you would like would be good. Or if you think you'd make an interesting guest, maybe send us an email.
0: Yeah, we're pretty flexible at this point. Yeah,
1: we're flexible. Very much going with the flow (laughs) at this point.
0: We shall get to flows another week.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um great. And we'll uh we'll see you next week with our second episode. Brilliant. Well, oh. have a lovely day. Yeah, have a lovely day, Han. All right. Bye, everyone. Twa.